Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose the highs and lows of their pursuits and how through their passion they are moving the culture forward be sure to follow verbally effective and ina esco on instagram also download the verbally effective podcast on soundcloud itunes and google play music don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com hey it's jennifer elaine the owner of original art gallery in cordova tennessee the only black woman-owned fine art gallery in Cordova. I am hanging with Ina Esco with Verbally Effective Podcast. Yo, Ali, you see me work with Black Boy JB Drake, Offset 21 Savage. Right now I'm rocking with Ina Esco, a Verbally Effective Podcast. You dig? Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Verbally Effective Podcast. I'm your host, your double E, Ina Esco. This is the pod that intersects art, culture, politics, entertainment with a Memphis flair. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on all streaming platforms and that Ina Esco YouTube channel as well. Hey guys, I'm really excited because I have one of my fellow alum from Lemoyne on College, the only HBCU the blackest of the blackest college in the city of Memphis, Lamoron College. And he is the athletic director and head coach over there at Southwest Tennessee Community College. Uh, he's originally from Ohio, but we're going to claim him here in Memphis. And he has coached nothing but elite athletes all around the world. I'm talking about Mr. Jared Stevens. What's up, Jared? What's up, Ina Esco? How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me on. I've, I've been waiting on my chance. Yes. Well, you know, Verbally Effective is ongoing, so I was yes. going to call you, but uh, I think we were at Love. How long ago was that? That was a while when we first started Not quite a year, it. though. Not quite, but almost. But you've been busy. We've been busy. We have been busy. Yes. We have been busy. I don't think I mentioned he's a member of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity as well. So, you know, we're going to get into some of our LLC stories throughout the podcast. But we're going to start at the beginning because I did mention Jared is originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Yep, Tell right. me about Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, born and raised. I uh, grew up on the west side of Cleveland in a suburb called Strongsville High School. Mm. Strongsville High School is the, the name of the high school I graduated from. Wow. Um, I, it was a predominantly white high school. In Cleveland? In Cleveland. When I think Cleveland, I think black. East side. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I grew up gotcha. on the west side. Okay. So, uh, you know, friends, family, hanging out, stuff like that took place on the east side. But as far as home, school was on the west side. So when it came time for me to figure out where it was I wanted to go to college, I knew, based off of the adversities I had to deal with growing up in a suburb as one of the only black children in mm. class or in this program or that program, I had to deal with a lot of prejudice growing up. Mm. So that helped inspire and motivate me to want to go to an HBCU. And how did you find Lamorne on College over there in Cleveland, Ohio? They had a black college fair at Cuyahoga Community College mm -hmm. in which many black colleges had tables set up around the room. And I was actually walking past 
the Lemoyne Owen table. Mm-hmm. I think I was leaving maybe Clark Atlanta, going past Lemoyne Owen because I had never heard of it to maybe North Carolina Central or something like that. And the recruiter at the time name was Adrian Stitt. I don't know if you remember him. Mm-hmm, I do. But he actually caught my mom's attention as we were walking by and brought us over to the table, started talking, showed us a beautiful pamphlet with Brown Lee on the front <laughs> and GOH. Mm-hmm. You know, you open it up, you see yeah, all ooh, the, it look nice. You see all the great programs <laughs> and, uh, you know, caught our attention. And I came down on a visit. Um, because they were talking, you know, scholarship money for this. I actually received scholarship money for the gospel choir. I did not know that, Jared. And also for baseball. Okay. From Coach Jennings. Okay. Um, So I came down on a visit, went to a gospel choir concert, was blown away. Mm -hmm. Oh, they had a great program back then. Definitely. Went to a a basketball game, the Bruz, the the men of Omega Psi Phi. One of them was my host. Mm. So I was hanging with the Q's wow. at the basketball game, went out afterwards, hung out a little oh, bit. Oh, you was like, I'm in Memphis, yeah, baby. Yeah, I'm good. You know, I had a great time. <laughs> um, went home, told my family I had a great time, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how, how it happened. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Now, um, you did mention that you dealt with a lot of adversity growing up over there in Cleveland. Um, how did you deal with it as a young man? It was difficult. Like, my Parents did a, a great job of keeping me grounded, me and my sister grounded, um, letting us know who we are, what our culture is. Like I said, our fam- family was other side of town or in Columbus or in Chicago or Detroit, you know, went to an all-black church. Like, I, we were really well grounded. But as far as dealing with the prejudice as a child, it was difficult mm-hmm. because, like I said, me- most of the time I was – the only or maybe one of two black kids in a class mm-hmm. or on a team. So even as a young child having to deal with the name calling, um, hating my school, you know, wanting to go to a different school, having older white people want to rub me on my head, rub my mm-hmm. hair on mm-hmm. top of my head, being singled out by teachers for, for different things that were happening in class or around the school. It was difficult. But like I said, my family did a, a really good job of, you know, kind of help get me through that adversity. Oh, wow. Although I still wanted to transfer all the way up to the, my senior year. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to go to graduation or any of that. Oh, wow, it was deep. It was deep. It now, was I had deep. a good core group of friends mm-hmm. that were either in my grade, a grade lower, a grade higher. Other brothers that were in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my crew. And to this day, we're, we're still friends. It's like mm-hmm. six of us. That go back to 89, 90. Wow. That kind of helped get through that. We all kind of got through that journey together. How often do you go back to Cleveland, Ohio? A long time. Really? Are your parents not there? My parents are in Vegas. Oh, wow. So when I was at Lemoyne, uh, my parents moved to Vegas, I think, in like 98, 97, Mm -hmm. 98, something like that. And I was upset. Mm-hmm. Because they were moving, although I hated where I lived, my friends. You were still there. had your I friends. still had my crew there. Yeah. It was still the house I grew up in, all of that. But then when I went to visit, I got over that pretty. Oh, quick. Hell, in Vegas! <laughs> yeah, Come on, mom and dad. Yeah, I got over that pretty. Quick. Wow. Now let's talk about when you entered at Lamorno in college. Okay. Uh, now you talked about your visit. Yes. With your host of Omega Sci Five. Right. Now that freshman year that you had. Okay. How was that experience? 
It were was, things like how they portrayed them to be no, from the recruiter? No. Okay, let's some talk about it, it. Some of it was. Okay. It was ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know my circle. You know, mm-hmm. I ended up linking up with some guys that were, everybody was from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a couple of guys from Atlanta. Yeah. There was a couple of guys from Indiana. There was a couple of guys from New York. Yeah, very diverse. Very diverse, but yeah. we were all from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of helped each other with the culture shift. Mm-hmm. You know, the music was different because yeah. I grew up on like East Coast hip hop. East Coast. I, I really, I may have heard a few Eight Ball and MJG songs. Maybe not three six. But not everything Memphis music. Yeah. When you get here with that same cadence and that same mm-hmm. beat, and I didn't like it when I first got here. I but love it, it now. It grew on you. It grew on me. Mm-hmm. You know the the different clothes, the different the Jerry curls, like yeah, the, the, the gold accents, teeth. the gold teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a culture. It was a culture shift, and it was cool. But it was also me and my crew had to deal with some adversities because we were from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Like some people were cool with us because we were from somewhere else, mm-hmm. but then a lot of people that were already here, a lot of guys basically didn't like us because we were from somewhere else. Yeah, you can always and deal there, with that. You know yeah. how that go. But it was cool. You know, it it, um, it grew on me. And I came here. You, might know, you probably didn't know this. I came here freshman year, first semester, and then transferred at the semester. I didn't know that. And went back home. Why? To Bowling Green State University. What made you do that? It was a combination of not doing any schoolwork, mm. Getting in different situations, uh, whether it was fights or having guns pulled on me or being in the wrong place or the wrong time. And and you combine that with a touch of being homesick, mm. all of those things bottled together, plus my parents saying, no, you ain't doing nothing down there. You need to come home. Mm-hmm. You ain't going to class. You're not. Yeah. You need to come home. You so hit Memphis and went right in. I went in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went in. I went in. So I went. Wow. I, I, I transferred for a semester. My sister and my best friend from home went to Bowling Green, mm-hmm. got to Bowling Green, and missed Memphis. Mm-hmm. Had yeah. to get back. Had to get back. Had to get back. Came right back. Came right back the following semester. I bet you got your stuff together. I did. Mm-hmm. Yep, I did. But I missed the step shows. I missed mm-hmm. I missed my crew of guys that I met here. I missed I missed the culture. Like, once I left it, I missed it and came back. Yeah. What do you think is the magic of LLC? You know, we're the magicians. What is so magical about Lamorne College? That is a great question. Mm-hmm. I think the magic is in the relationships. Yeah. And I would say because the relationships from not only, like, the professor-student relationship – you know, if you're not in class, they'll call your dorm oh, back, yeah. back then. Jared, why aren't you in class? They care. You know, I had specific professors do that. Mm-hmm. You know, from Miss Jodell Cox to coming and, mm-hmm. you know, knocking on our dorm room when we in there doing stuff we ain't had no business doing. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I think it's the relationships and then the relationships with, you know, people like yourself and uh, some of my guys and other females that, that I really grew like the relationships is the is the magic because it's really a family oriented mm-hmm. place. It is, you know, and everybody was transparent. Like your podcast, mm-hmm. everybody was transparent, and it was kind of like LOC versus the world. You're right, and sometimes I feel still feel like that. Yeah, you know, do you feel like that sometimes, even to this day? Sometimes, as I, a graduate of Lamont, I do. I do sometimes because people don't understand the value and and the richness and the the magic that takes place over there. True. 
you know, because the relationships, like right now, I have relationships with people from Lemoyne that are all over the world right now, not just in Memphis, because we, you know, a lot of us scattered. Yeah. So it's it's great relationships all over the place, genuine relationships. Yes. Well, Jared, tell us what happened when you graduated from Lemoyne. What immediately happened in your life? When when I graduated, leading up to graduation, I was contemplating going back to Cleveland. Cleveland was still in your back pocket, Cleveland was huh? still in my back Even pocket. Even though mom and dad was in Vegas. Even though they were gone. You wanted to go see your friends. I wanted to go to, back home and be with my family and be with my friends. And, and I didn't have, at the time, anything like concrete in front of me mm-hmm. as far as what's next. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you remember Dr. Zaki. Yes. So, he had me reading in class to everybody all the time. So, Dr. Zaki, <laughs> that was my guy. I was a political science major, so I was real close with Dr. Zaki. He wanted me to go into this ambassador's program mm. in BC. And then, cause I, at the time I, I was contemplating law school, but I didn't want to go back to school anymore. So he was like, okay, well get in this ambassador's program. You would be great to be an ambassador, like a U.S. ambassador and you can go all wow. over the world, do this, that, and the other. So I was like, okay, well that sounds cool, but now nah, let me go back to Cleveland instead. I don't want to go all over the world. Cause it was wars yeah. and all this going on at the time. So probably two months before I was about to leave, uh, Michael Hooks mm-hmm. Jr. is my frat brother. We were friends. And I think at the time he might have been on the school board. Yeah, around that time. Around that time, I think he was on the school board. And he was like, dog, you know, you can try to teach if you want to. I can help you, you know, get an interview. You know, I can't get you a job, but I can introduce you to the right people, you know, to set you up for that. I was like, okay, well, I'll think about it. And then that's what I ended up doing. I started teaching. And I was still coaching. Wow. So and, and was a poli sci major. As a political science major, yeah. Wow. And sometimes that happens. Yep. And, you know, I have a senior uh, in high school right now. And it seems like, you know, they get really confused at that point of, or unless they have it all mapped out. But, you know, me and my husband just knew we were, you know, enriching in my son, you know, it's college. It's college after graduation. That boy told us, no, he has a 4.3 GPA, naturally smart, could easily get a scholarship. Okay. He does not want to go to college. Okay. He wants to be a full-time entrepreneur and has started a business. But it's just, you know, interesting to see how people's lives pan out, like when they make their own decisions and how things just can go either way. Right. Right. Yeah. And you deal with a lot of young men. Very impressionable on their lives. I do. So, look, we're going to get into more of that and your new position over there as the athletic director and head coach at Southwest Tennessee Community College after we take this break, okay? Sounds good. All right, guys, Verbal Effective audience, stay tuned. We'll be back with Jared Stevens. Hey, guys, it's Ina Esco. We're back on the Verbally Effective podcast, the pod that intersects art, culture, politics, entertainment with a Memphis flair. And I have with me one of my good friends, Jared Stevens. He is the athletic director and head coach over there at Southwest Tennessee Community College. And, Jared, before we get into your new role in Memphis, I want to kind of sneak back to after you graduated from Lemoyne because I know that kind of began your journey with coaching. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. I actually started coaching in 97. Mm-hmm. So I was I had walked on to the basketball team at Lemoyne. I had tore my rotator cuff, stopped playing, and started coaching AAU. 
while I was wow, still it, I did not know that, Jared. Yep. How did you get into that? I got into that with Will Anderson, Will. the current athletic mm-hmm. director at Lemoyne Owen College. Mm-hmm. He um, is the one that introduced me and kind of plugged me with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's how it started. That's how it started in 97. And then when I graduated in 2000, I got a. I was still doing the AAU stuff, and I started teaching. My first teaching job was at Levi Elementary. Wow. I was teaching second through sixth grade science lab. Mm. Yeah, I was science teacher. <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> it was cool. It was interesting. Such uh, an impressionable age right there. Right. So I did that, and then that following year I went to Treadwell, mm-hmm. and I was. Uh, that's when I started coaching at the high school. I was the mm-hmm. JV head coach, varsity assistant coach. Mm-hmm. And then that next year, the head coach, varsity coach, left, and I got the varsity head coaching job at Treadwell in 01. Wow. And at the time, I was the youngest head coach in the city. Wow. Yep. How did you enjoy, like, you know, the high schoolers? Um, did they, you know, have a, a huge respect for you as the coach? And, and I know, like, as an athlete, because I'm a former athlete, you know, we kind of live and die by what our <laughs> coaches say. And, you know, they're very impressionable on, you know, everything that we do. So how was your dynamic with those high schoolers back then? It was it was good. In Memphis. It was good. It was it was tough yeah. um, because there was a lot of distractions in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I was young. Um, my approach might not have always been the best at the time, as far as expressing and and, and conveying the lessons, or or what's the word I'm looking for, or orchestrating or facilitating the lessons that needed to be taught to those young men. Mm-hmm. Like I did it. But if I could go back, I would, with knowing what I know now, there may be a few things that I did differently. But it was great relationships. I still have relationships with some of those guys to this day. Mm. And I'm proud to, you know, one of them is an electrician. He comes and does all my stuff at my house. Wow. One of them is a a police officer. Like, they're all, a lot of them are doing a lot of great things. Mm -hmm. So it's, that's where the reward comes in. You know, when you're not at that super high level of coaching where you're making the big bucks. Mm -hmm. You know, your reward comes in when you see the success uh, from the, the young the young people that you're dealing with. Wow. I, I totally can feel you on that. Uh, seeing your students excel and do well in life um, is very rewarding. Very. Now, let's talk about when you moved to Florida. So, before I moved to Florida, I left Treadwell. Uh, I moved to Atlanta for about three years, three and a half years. Coaching? Training at first. Um and then I started coaching at Clark Atlanta. Really? Yeah, I coached at Clark Atlanta uh, for a year. And then I moved back to Memphis for a year and coached at LeMoyne. Okay. I yeah. was the associate head coach at LeMoyne with my line brother, William Anderson. He was the head coach in the AD. Um, then I moved to Florida. Then you moved to then Florida. Then I moved to Florida. And my first move to Florida, I took a high school coaching job. Mm-hmm. I was a head varsity coach and a dean at a high school. Mm. which is like, you know how, well, back in the day here, your uh, vice principals did the discipline. Mm-hmm. There, the deans do the discipline. The discipline. Yeah, the discipline. Okay. So I did, I was a dean and a varsity head coach, did that for a couple of years, got the college coaching itch back, mm-hmm. started coaching at an assist, I was an assistant coach at a junior college down there mm-hmm. for a couple of years, Indian River State College. Wow. 
Then moved to IMG Academy. It's a lot of moving. <laughs> it's a lot going of moving. Yep, moved to IMG Academy to train the pros and NBA guys and college guys that wow. were getting ready for the draft or already in the NBA. How was that experience? It was fun. That was much different from what you were previously doing. It was doing. fun. It was fun. I um got the I was prepared for that position when I was in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Because when I was in Atlanta, I was training pros and college guys. So that helped me get the position at IMG Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun. Had a chance to work with a lot of NBA guys, do the pre-draft for a few lottery picks. Mm-hmm. Some guys from Memphis came down to work. Wow. Um, Sean Williams was one mm-hmm. of the guys that came down to Memphis to work. Jarnell Stokes, Cameron Payne. A lot of these guys came to IMG for their for their training. And I was able to work with, you know, those guys when they were down there. So you plugged in with a lot of these professional athletes. I already know that, though. There's some relationships out there. Mm-hmm. So I left there and went to Florida A&M University wow. as an assistant. And how was that? How long were you there? I was there for four years. Oh, that's a long time yeah, compared was, to yeah. this year here, this year there. Yep. Tell me about how did you like Florida comparable to everywhere else? I love Florida. What you love about Florida? Because I don't hear everybody say they love Florida. They like the vacation in Florida, maybe. I like the vacation in Florida. Okay. Do you I like could. the politics in Florida, poli sci major? No. No? But no. but you can deal with it. You can deal with it. <laughs> but I can deal what with it. What is it about Florida? Uh, Florida for me is peaceful. It is. You know, because I wasn't living in like the Miamis or the Fort Lauderdales. I was, I was living in kind of like smaller towns. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was peaceful. You know, I love the water. I love going to the beach randomly just to catch a sunset. Yes, I love the beach, uh, too. Just to go and meditate and, mm-hmm. you know, palm trees and clear skies and nice weather year-round. and Year-round. Year-round. Mm-hmm. And my kids are in Florida. Yeah. So, you know, I love Florida. It's, it's a great place. I just feel better as soon as the plane lands and I start mm-hmm. driving around and see the palm trees. Mm-hmm. I feel, and see the ocean. You're yeah, like, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here for a I'm, good I'm time, back. not right. a long time. Right. <laughs> Right. So I love it. Okay. Yep, okay. I loved it. So you have had, you know, a lot of experience yeah. in this basketball athletic world. Mm-hmm. And now you're the head coach and athletic director at Southwest. Yes. Tell me about how they came about. Um, Like I told you, I honestly know that it was a divine placement. Why is that, Jared? Because I always said I would never come back to Memphis. You did. I did. Why would you say that? I said the only ways I would have came back to Memphis is if I was coaching with the Grizzlies or coaching at the University of Memphis. Okay. That's what I – because I was in professional mode mm-hmm. at the time. So, with that being in the back of my mind, um, I wasn't, you know, trying to make an effort to get back to Memphis. I was still, you know, I was coaching at a Division One program, Florida A&M. We are having success. Everything was good. Um so the way it happened, long story short, the summer going into last year, not this current, but last year, 21-22, so that would have been the summer of 21, um, really even going back to 20, I felt as though I was ready for a head coaching job, a head college coaching job. But I knew that I needed to stay where I was at to get prepared for when that opportunity came. Mm-hmm. So when the – in the summer, early summer of 21, the job at Southwest came open, the basketball job, not mm-hmm. the AD, just the basketball job. Mm-hmm. So 
I randomly put my application in, just just cold. You didn't call anybody. I made one call and, and was told that the, the interim coach had just won the championship. Mm. So I said, oh, well, they're going to give it to him. Ain't no point in me, you know, even starting to call my relationships mm-hmm. to start trying to work that angle. Because, you know, you got to recruit a job when you want a job. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do that. I just kept, I, I did the app and just kept going about my business. So in the, in the meantime, I had interviewed for two head coaching jobs in Florida. Um, one was a junior college in Florida, and another one was a Division II uh, job in Florida, mm-hmm. which I felt both were perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Still in Florida. <laughs> with the sun in, in the Florida, ocean. With okay. the sun in the ocean. Both of those opportunities got me closer to my kids. So I, I was a Division I coach in the state. To me, everything lined up for me to get one of those two jobs. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it was the going through that process of the interview process, going through the committees, getting becoming a finalist and all that and getting turned down prepared me for the Southwest process. Mm-hmm. So those those interviews were getting me ready for the Southwest one. Mm-hmm. Little did I know. Okay. So I'm still I didn't get either one of those jobs. I'm going about my business. I, I start getting a phone call from a nine oh one number in Memphis. Mm. And I applied for the job maybe in early March. Started getting the call mid-March. Didn't answer it. Somebody from Memphis, I, I would have the number. I don't right. need to, I'm like, not going to answer this? a random number. Right. I know everybody in Memphis. Like, who is this? Who is this? Yeah, I'm not going to answer this. You know, So I did that for probably like the, the same number called me twice a week for probably – until June. You didn't leave a voicemail? No voicemail, no Ooh. anything. Or if they did, I didn't check it because I don't check my voicemail. If you, so FYI, if you call me and I don't answer it, send me a text. Okay, okay. <laughs> I got I'll you. check my voicemails, you know, after they, after they build up. Mm-hmm. So that goes on. I'm going about my business, Florida a and I'm locked in. You know, we're getting ready for this upcoming season. We got a foreign tour. We're getting ready to go to Puerto Rico. All it is, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm locked in. So one day, early June, I get the call again. I'm sitting in my office talking to one of the other assistant coaches at Florida A&M, one of the younger guys, kind of just giving them my perspective on how I do something, one of the, just one of the coaching things, whatever. So the phone call came in again. I said, man, let me answer this call. These folks keep calling me. Let me answer <laughs> Who this. Who is this? Yeah, ain't no bill collectors calling from Memphis. Mm-hmm. Let me. So I answer, hello? Yeah, is this uh, Jared Stevens? Yeah, who's calling? You know, I'm – Who's calling? Uh, this is such and such from Southwest Tennessee Community College. And it's not even registering to me yet because I had applied back in March. And this is June. Wow. So I'm not, how can I help you? Southwest, okay, how can I help you? Are you still interested in the job as head coach of our men's basketball team? Yeah, I mm. am, actually. <laughs> actually. Actually, I am. Okay. So, okay, well, we've already started the interview process. We've already gone through a round of, of interviewees we've already conducted before we finish it up you know we're impressed by your resume we would like to interview you before we make our final decision now mind you I hadn't called anybody I hadn't done any of this this random cold call resume Mm -hmm. which rarely works Mm -hmm. in any profession so I'm like okay that's cool they were like well are you available tomorrow at three o'clock now mind you I'm in Florida A&M mode still no I got practice tomorrow at at that time, because <laughs> I'm still in mode, you right. know, I'm still, no, I got responsibilities here. No, I can't do it. That, that I can't do it. I have practice at that time. 
they're like, okay, well, that might have been like a Wednesday. Well, can you do a Thursday because we want to wrap up this round by Friday? And the committee is going to be all, you know, they gave me – I said, okay, well, I have to check because on Thursday I got this same time slot, but, you know, okay, we'll get it done. I'll make it work. So long story short, I went through the process. Uh, once I got through the first round of interviews, I said, okay, well, this might really actually be something. Let me start making my calls. Mm-hmm. Um, because I knew I was ready for a head coaching job. And it only made sense to me that, okay, well, I thought it was these Florida jobs. But if I'm going to get my first head college coaching job, it makes sense for it to be in Memphis because of the support system that I have in Memphis. Okay. From my LOC family, from my fraternity brothers, from other uh, networking opportunities that I've done mm-hmm. over the years. Uh, okay, well, it makes sense. Well, let me go ahead and try to get this job now. Mm-hmm. So I, I had, a, you know, uh, Penny Hardaway made a call and sent a letter in for me. Uh, Josh Passner, former coach, mm-hmm. current coach at Georgia Tech, he put a call in for me, sent an email for me. Mike White, who was the f- head coach at Florida Gators at the time, who's now at the University of Georgia, put a call in for me. Mm-hmm. Mikhail put a call in for me. Mm-hmm. So I started, you know, okay, well, let me let me call my people now and let me go ahead and work. Let's do this. Let's do <laughs> let it. Let me go ahead and work. So <laughs> went through the process, and it happened. Once it started, it happened quick. In like two weeks, I got to the final part, and they were like, okay, well, this is after the, the, the final interview with the president. It was like committee, then it was a smaller committee, then it was me and the president one-on-one. And, uh, okay, well, after her and I met, she sent me back to the VP that was over the, the process. And she was like, okay, well, you know, we, we like you. We'd like to offer you the job. Here's the particulars. Uh, would you also be interested in the athletic director job? Boom. Athletic director? Come on, Divine Intervention. Come on, Divine. Come on. So I was like, well, I ne- in my mind, I'm like, well, I, I've never had even an aspiration to go into athletic administration. But it's a whole nother avenue that was being presented to me that because, you know, a lot of times our blessings happen and we're not even we have no idea of, of yes. the greatness that's about to be in store. For Bountiful. Us. Yeah. So what well, what does that all entail? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, how does that change yeah. these particulars? So once we got through all that, I was like, yeah. So wow. they offered me the job. I'm sitting in my office at Florida A&M. I got off the phone. They offered me the job. I got up off my desk, <laughs> got to the elevator as fast as I could, got off the elevator, got in my car as fast as I could, and just lost it. Lost it. Lost it. Completely lost it. I know it. you did. Completely lost it. Breakdown. Was it hard to tell the folks at good old Florida A&M goodbye? You know, whenever I've changed positions, the hardest part is telling the, the team. The team, yeah. You know, when I – different high schools that I may have left from or different colleges I've coached and that may have left for another opportunity. That's the hard part because the relationships are real. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you're, even though people are going to be happy for you, but the relationships that are built, like it's real love there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm not leaving you cause I don't like you. You know, I'm, there's another opportunity that's in store for me or in this place, a divine <laughs> opportunity mm-hmm. that I have to go take advantage of. And they understood, they but it was difficult. You. It was difficult. Um, moving further away from my kids was yeah. difficult. Yeah. Because at that time, I was, it was still a drive, and now it's a flight. It's a flight. Flights. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, – but, yeah, it was, that's, that's how it happened. Wow. 
Wow, that is amazing. Um, if you could describe your coaching style, okay. what would you say? I would say that I use basketball as a tool to get their attention to help boys become men. Okay, break that down for me. So in sports, you were an athlete, mm -hmm. and we'll just talk basketball. There's a lot of things that take place in basketball that relate directly with life. Whether, you know, it's a lot of lessons can be learned. Uh, one of the main ones I talk about a lot is discipline, mental discipline. Mm -hmm. Because if you're mentally disciplined in everything that you're doing in all avenues of life, that's going to help you, give you a chance to succeed. Mm -hmm. So I just try to use, so whenever I'm correcting somebody, whether it's, okay, well, communication, that's another one. Okay, well, if we're going to communicate, if you're communicating with your teammate on the court, use specific communication. Because mm -hmm. in life... You're going to have to use specific communication when you're talking to your coworkers, when you're talking to your supervisors, when you're talking to your spouse, when you're talking to your children, you have to use specific communication. Specific. You know, whether it's body language, mm -hmm. how, you know, somebody's always watching you. Your body language could send the wrong message. If they don't know you, if they don't know who you are, Ina Esco, as a person, and they see you with a with resting bee face on, <laughs> right. Right? right, but don't know you, and they see you from afar, they might judge you based off of your body language. Mm -hmm. So I try to get my young men to understand, that, no, you got to tighten up your body language. Mm -hmm. You can't be out here pouting. Mm -hmm. You know, your age doesn't make you a man. Your behavior makes you a man. Mm. So I always challenge them, are you a boy or are you a man? Because you might be 18, 19, 21, 22, but if you're out here pouting when something don't go your way, that's not man behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, how are you going to be a father and walking around, your child sees you pouting and moping and shutting down when something doesn't go their way. How are you going to correct them? Okay. You know, so I try to, those are just a couple of, of examples of, of how I try to utilize the tool, the basketball as a tool to help them become men. Mm -hmm. And the basketball is going to take care of itself. Yeah. Because they're talented. Yeah. They're talented. But, and if they're disciplined <laughs> enough to take coaching and learn and disciplined enough to follow a game plan, then we'll have success. You give me them I don't play vibes. I don't. I can I feel <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Like there is a structure to what we're doing in this program. There's a You're lot gonna of structure. follow it. There is. But in order for them to follow it or make it easier for them to follow it, they have to know it comes from a place of love and from a place of care. Mm -hmm. And from no, I'm trying to make you a man, like help you to become a man. I'm I'm partnering with your family, those that have family, to help you to become a man. Yeah, and that's what they. Because that's my ultimate goal. Yeah, basketball is going to take care of itself. I need yeah. you to become a man, so when you leave me, you're better prepared for what you got to face. Yes, this is cool. This is a controlled environment. Mm -hmm. Let's learn these lessons now. Yeah, you know, not letting your teammate down because because you're pissed off about something. Mm -hmm. What you going to let your wife down because you pissed off? You ain't going to go to work the next day. Yeah, you know, so it's that's kind of what I kind of slick therapist. Yeah, ain't no slick. Ain't no slick. No, ain't yeah, no it's slick. very therapeutic yeah, it's in, very in this. Therapeutic. Wow. Yeah. Now I know you said it was kind of daunting when they told you about the AD position. How is that going? And is it really like as intimidating as it first sounded, or are you good? Like, oh, okay, I got this. When I was when it was presented to me, I knew it was going to be a lot of work in, involved. Um, once I once I got here and, and started with the work. I realized how much work was involved. Mm -hmm. It's basically paperwork mm -hmm. for the most part. 
it's, it's direction, it's leadership, you know, with your other coaches, with the student athletes in the, in the, in the various programs. But it comes down to paperwork and compliance. Mm-hmm. And when I first got here, I, I knew a little bit about it because as a college coach, you have to be familiar with reading transcripts and eligibility and things of that nature. But it's so much more that goes into it. And now that I have a great team in my athletic department with my athletic specialist and my and an assistant, now everything runs smooth. But it was it was a learning curve for sure. Yeah, yeah. But you got, it sounds like you got it down packed now. I'm always learning. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and that's a good motto to have. I'm always learning. Always you never learning. know everything. Never, you never. Ever. Now, what does like the athletic community look like in Memphis now? Because Memphis Grizzlies, we got John Moran and and, and this dynamic, fiery Grizzlies team yep. that everybody's raving about. Like, has that brought more attention to your program and what you're doing? What does like the athletic community look like right now? In Memphis, even dating back to when Southwest was Shelby State, mm-hmm. um, just l- kind of looking at the lay of the land in Memphis, you know, everybody loves the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves the University of Memphis Tigers. Mm-hmm. Lamar and Owen and Southwest are kind of the stepchild, mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. And although both have great opportunities for student af- for students, period, but for student athletes, both have great opportunities. Lamar and Owen is a Division II program in the SIAC, SIAC, which is a very strong Division II uh, program. Lemoyne has had a lot of success dating back to Coach Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, Southwest, pri- previously Shelby State, going back to Coach Verde Sales. Mm-hmm. Both programs have had a lot of success historically, but from a basketball landscape in Memphis, everybody kind of looks at those two opportunities as kind of like fallback opportunities. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because they're great opportunities, but that's kind of what that's kind of what it is. Whereas people from out of town look at those two opportunities as great opportunities, right? And a lot of people from Memphis that may have gone elsewhere to participate in the sport and come back to Lemoyne or come back to Southwest, many people have success, you know, and they go on to be successful. But as far as first choice is concerned. From my perspective, what I see is, unfortunately, people kind of look down on those two programs. Mm. Still to this day. Still to this day. So that's going to be an ongoing thing? Not necessarily. Mm. I think it's just a matter of, you know, success breeds. The more success you have, the more people are interested or will consider it. And I think that's like a Memphis thing, too, kind of. You're learning that. I've known that. (laughs) You've known that. (laughs) You're forgetting I'm honorary Memphis. Oh, yes, you're honorary, like myself, like myself. Wow. Okay, Jared, repeat after me. Okay. Amen, say mine. Amen, say mine. You got a little Cleveland in that amen, say mine. Say it again. Amen, say mine. (laughs) Amen, say mine. You want me to do it like that? You good. <laughs> you got to do it a little faster, you a little got, higher pitch. You got it. You got it. You okay. got it. That's say it gave me South Memphis vibes. Okay. okay? Um, right. This is a moment of transparency between you and I. I want you to tell me what is something that you've recently learned about yourself at this point in your life? Mm. Recently learned about myself? Recently learned. You've had, you know, quite a bit of transition, and I can tell you're, you're – capable of doing a lot of adjusting but what is something that you've learned recently about yourself uh well recent is is in the eye of the beholder so okay it is I'm go with that go with that <laughs> <laughs> um recently what have i learned about myself um 
I try to be very self-aware. But I guess hmm, with my profession, and this isn't necessarily a yesterday or a last year thing, but recently I would say I realized how difficult it can be to those that love me mm. and how it's important to try to find a balance to the best of your ability while you're trying to walk and serve in your purpose, which I believe I'm doing. And also have a, a balance with your social or family life. Yeah, I'm sure that could be hard. It's difficult because over the years, whether I was playing or coaching, there's been so many holidays that I've missed mm -hmm. or so many family events or relationship opportunities that I've missed out on mm -hmm. because I'm over here serving another group. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that I would How say. How old are your kids now? My kids are 11 and 16. Okay, that's some pretty impressionable ages right very, there. Very, So you're going to get on that plane if need be. I'm on the plane. Okay, yes. <laughs> if need be, yeah. you're on there. Okay, yes. okay, repeat that. need always be. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I know it sounds like it's hard, but like you say, you're walking in your purpose. Yeah. And you know and this. And that's not easy, mm -hmm. but I know it. That comes with its own challenges. It does. But when you yeah. when you pray for something and God gives it to us, we have to be grateful for the work that comes along with the work and sacrifice that comes along with it. That's sure it's a lot of sacrifice. Yep. Believe me, I know, Jared. Hey, I man. know. Hey, hey, man. Same man. <laughs> hey, man. Same man. One more question. Okay. Tell us all about how Sweat Now, Smile Later came about. And you have it on your on your outfit. Tell us what that is. Um, it's something that I came up with probably back in 2012, 13 and sweat now, smile later can be applied to any aspect of life. So it's basically, if you put in the work in whatever category or arena or area of life that, that you're in, if you honestly put in the sweat equity, whether that's actual physical sweat, mental sweat, whatever the case may be at the end of the day, you'll give yourself an opportunity to be successful. Mm -hmm. So if I'm, from a fitness standpoint, if I'm working out, if I'm working out, if I'm eating correctly, if I'm sweating, eventually I'm going to smile and I'm going to see the gains that I want to see mm -hmm. or, or the losses that I want to see. Mm -hmm. You know, from an academic standpoint, if I sweat now, if I put this time in study hall, if I go to the academic advisor, if I meet with peers, if I do my homework, if I study, if I do everything right on my test, then my good grades will be my success. Now I can smile. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, I have one of my young men who prior to me getting here uh, wasn't very good academically, performance-based. Very smart young man, but just academically he wasn't doing well. Mm -hmm. So there was a culture change that I installed when I got to Southwest, which had more of a structure that you talked about. I'm very, very, mm -hmm. very structured. So he started, he bought into the structure. And is this the holistic? This is part of it. Okay. This is part of it. So he start, He bought into the structure, got great grades at the semester. He had a 3.0 for the first time in his life mm. and was so excited when he could call home and tell his parents about how well he did academically. Mm -hmm. So he, he put, he put his, the sweat in, mm -hmm. and he was able to smile later. Yeah. You know, relationships. You put in the sweat equity. You put in the work. You, you communicate. You, you're open. You're honest. You, you compromise. You do all of that with whoever you're in a relationship with. You should be able to smile later on you because should. the relationship should be able to work mm -hmm. if you're putting that sweat in. 
So it's kind of, you know, it, it, it transcends mm-hmm. everything, really. If you sweat now, you'll smile later. So this is this is a model you've been going by for a long time. Very long Because I remember when you started promoting it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I like that. Because yep. I could understand what you were saying. Right. And um, I asked you about the uh, holistic approach. Tell me about that with, with your program. The holistic culture of my program, it's academics, athletics, mental health, community service, and social awareness. Mm, Social awareness. I like that piece of it. Social awareness. Academics, athletics, mental health, social awareness, community service. Mm -hmm. And it's like everything that we do um, has to line up with that. Mm -hmm. And again, remember, I'm trying to raise boys to men. Mm -hmm. So it's important that in each one of those five standards that, you know, they have some success and knowledge and information. So the academics, that's obvious, you know, study hall, academic advisors, grade checks, talk about it every day. That's the academic side, you know, get you tutoring, give you all the resources that you need to be successful academically, emphasize it as something that's important to me. So they understand that it can maybe become important to them, for those that need to have that mentality shift. Mm -hmm. Athletics, basketball is going to take care of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, the mental wellness part, mental health part. We have mental health counselors on campus that come and meet with our guys. Uh, the president of the college, Dr. Tracy Hall, when um, Tyree Nichols' situation just happened, she created a platform for not only for the students but also for the employees. But the, the student platform was something that I had my students attend, my student athletes attend. You know, from a mental health, mental wellness standpoint, I'm always talking about mental health and mental wellness and and being transparent about the situations and things that I've dealt with in my life. I've written curriculums about the mental aspects of sports, Mm. you know, mentality shifts, being poised under pressure, uh, keeping your mind and energy right when adversity hits. Like all these things fall into mental health. Mm -hmm. Guys from out of town, they might be homesick. There might be something going on at home. I can talk about my experience. Mm -hmm. So I try to make, our space, some, uh, a healthy environment where they feel free to open up and express themselves, if not with me, one of my assistants, if not with the assistants, the mental health counselor. Mm-hmm. If they bring something to me, I'll say, okay, well, do you need to go talk to somebody, a professional? Like, is this enough? Do you need more? Mm-hmm. You know, so I've hugged and cried, you know, I've held and cried with some of my guys before, mm-hmm. not only here, but in other places. Yeah, I've given my testimony and broke down crying in front of my guys. Okay. And I'm a man, man. You know me. Mm-hmm. Everything about me is man, manhood. I'm yeah. a dude. I'm a man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. at the same yeah. time, you could be a man and still have emotions and still it's express okay. those emotions. So that's the mental health side of it, the social awareness side of it. Um, Mikhail Lowry, you know, our friend, Mikhail, mm-hmm. he came and um, I interviewed him for the whole student body. But the student athletes, you know, were the core of the audience. And we talked about police brutality. We talked about police reform. Mm -hmm. We talked about what they can do as students and student athletes to help raise awareness to these things. Mm -hmm. You know, social, I'm giving you information. Now, it's up to you what you do with it. I'm not saying you have to go to this and you have to do that. No, I just want to give you information. And then once you have the information, you could do with it what you please. But you need to be aware of what's going on in the world. Yeah, be aware. Be aware. Um, Hayward Anderson, a detective, mm-hmm. another uh, Lamorne on. You know, he's a detective, Germantown Police Department. 
he and some of his fellow detectives and investigators, I had them come and speak with our guys, mm-hmm. talk about safe interaction between law enforcement and, and civilians, mm-hmm. talking about traffic stops and how to conduct yourself in traffic stops, talking about domestic violence. You know, you and your girl or you and your lady might be having an argument because we know there's a lot of toxic relationships out Ooh, here that, aren't there? That, that people are, for whatever reason, interested <laughs> in. But it might be loud, it might be cussing, it might be slamming the table, hitting the wall, and the next thing you know, a neighbor has called the police. Mm-hmm. The police show up, you arguing, nah, get off of me, that's my girl, we straight, this mm-hmm. this us. Now, mm-hmm. you've assaulted an officer. Right. So we did these different scenarios of traffic stops, domestic violence, um, so that they can see use of force. They talked about use of force. So I just want to make them socially aware. So when and if they are involved in any of these situations, they'll be better prepared to not only hopefully stay out of jail, but stay alive. Mm-hmm. Um, community service. Mm-hmm. You know, we do community service opportunities. We go to schools. We talk to students. Uh, we're building blocks in Memphis. It's a, a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. We partner with them. We go to local high schools to motivate the high school students. I love it. Um, I love it. So we 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 just trying, you got these boys right. You got them right. We, I'm just trying to build build mm-hmm. the structure to do my job. Yeah. Like I tell them, I'm doing. I'm here to do my job. You might get mad at me at times because I'm going to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. But if I ain't love you, I wouldn't hold you accountable. Yeah, and it, it sounds like they they're really receiving what you're giving. Mm-hmm. They do mm-hmm. sometimes. Sometimes you gotta sometimes, get in there. Sometimes get in it's that. easy. Sometimes it's difficult. Yeah. But a lot of times it's because there's a mentality shift that has to take place. Yeah. And and we know we've had habits our whole life, different habits. And yeah. when you go from acting or conducting yourself a certain way your whole life, and now you're being introduced to something else, it doesn't always happen like that. Yeah, it's a process. Buying and trust doesn't always happen like that. So it's a process. Yeah, definitely. Now, what's going to happen when the Grizzlies call and be like, uh, Mr. Stevens, you ready to come on coach over here? Oh, that, that's what you're speaking right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm the Grizzlies. <laughs> <laughs> what you going to say? Let's say, let's talk about it. Okay. <laughs> you got your negotiating hat on. Now you got your yeah, head coaching job, say, I'm the AD. I'm going to say I'm in a great situation right now. What can you do for me? But, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm okay. going to say I'm in a great situation mm-hmm. right now. Let's talk about it. Okay. That's what I'm going to say. Mine. What you think about All-Star? What? I thought it was weak. I did too. I thought it was weak. I, what has happened to All-Star? The same thing that kind of has happened. How do I want to say this? The same thing that has happened as generations get younger and younger. I think that. Um, no, I wouldn't necessarily. Was it because they were in Utah? Or they no, don't have nothing that, to do with it. They didn't have anything to do with it. They, I mean, nobody wants to get hurt. So I get that, but I would have liked to seen it be a lot more competitive mm-hmm. than what it does. Right, it was it like was. they were playing around on the court. There was there was no. It was, it was bad. I thought it was bad. Yeah, I thought it was really bad. I thought they probably lost a lot of viewers for next year mm-hmm. because of how bad and lackadaisical and yes, lazy I'm like, what are they doing? It was. Yeah, it was. They could have saved that. Yeah, the dunk contest was cool. Yeah, it had a little flair, and three point contest was cool. That that all star game. Yes, has it been like that, that over the last few years, last or just year was this year? Kind of competitive. Okay. This year may be the the most uncompetitive all star game ever. Right, and I hate that because we had both John Morant and Jaron Jackson representing for the Grizzlies yep. there, and we were really trying to see something. Well, they still represented. 
They did. They did. We worked with what they had. They did what everybody else was doing. Right. Right. Exactly. So they represented for the Grizz. They were there. People saw them. Interesting. Ja broke his new shoes out. Right. Now, yeah. I like the display they had over there for big him. Time. Yeah. He's a big time player. Big time. You got a relationship with Ja? I don't. Oh, but then that, that ain't nothing but a phone call to one of your many resources. I, I, I hey, hey, I'd love hey. to have an opportunity to do some work <laughs> with him and have him come out and speak to our guys. Definitely. Then we've had um, Rasheed Wallace while he was still in town. Mm-hmm. He came out and talked to the guys. Bonzi Wells come out mm-hmm. and talked to the guys. So we have, I have um, some agent friends that may come out and give them some information. So yeah. it's good. It's I have coming. different people. Yeah. It's coming. Well, Jared, I'm so proud of you. I appreciate I am that. So I'm so proud, proud of you. you. I appreciate that, and yeah. I received that, you know, from our days at Lamorna in college. Yep. You know, I've learned so much about you on the podcast that yeah. I did not know today. Right. But, um, you know, you've had an amazing career, and it's still climbing it's still and growing. excelling. Yep. I appreciate and, that. you know, you're doing the good work with these kids because, you know, this is a different generation. It is. And, and with that being said, as leaders, people in leadership, situations where they're guiding young adults and kids we have to understand that it is a different generation it is a different time we have to not necessarily change the lesson but sometimes we got to change the approach definitely the change the delivery yeah keep the lesson but it can't be what it was 5 10 15 20 years ago right because that ain't gonna work it's not gonna work it's not going to work. Well, Jared Stevens, the head coach over there at Southwest Tennessee Community College and athletic director, let everyone on the Verbally Effective audience know how they can continue to follow your journey, give your socials, give websites, you know, whatever you want to give. Well, um, the, the website for Southwest is southwesttennessee.edu. Um, the athletic website, you can get to from there. Um, that'll keep you up to date on all of our sports. Um, all their schedules, updates on news and stuff like that. Uh, my Instagram is sweatnouse underscore smile later. Okay, plug, plug, motto. Makes sense. Um, and my Twitter is Mr. I Stay Focused. Mr. I Stay Focused. Mr. I Stay Focused. I got to add you on Twitter, Jed. You do. Yes, I do, because I think you're going to be <laughs> dropping that knowledge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today on the Verbally Effective Podcast. We're going to do something in the future with your students with something live with the podcast, if that's okay with you. No, that would be great. I actually have a student that is a vlogger. Okay. So he does this. I would love to meet him. He would love to meet you. Okay. So we'll definitely hook that up. We're going to set it up. He's a very bright young man, but I have a lot of guys with a lot of personality. That I work. bet you do. do. They, 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 they got a lot of personality. A lot of personality. <laughs> a lot of personality. But, no, I appreciate you. I thank you for having me on. Yes, I'm proud of welcome. you watching your growth and yes. watching your journey. And I look forward to seeing what's next for you. Yes, yes. Two Lamont on College alum over here, you know, during Black History Month doing our thing. Mr. Jared Stevens, like I said, head coach over there at Southwest Tennessee Community College and athletic director. Never know. The Grizzlies might call him next week. You just never know. But thank you guys for tuning in to hear Jared's amazing journey. Be sure to hit that subscribe button on all streaming platforms for Verbally Effective Podcasts with Ina Esco. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks.